How's that? So right at the uh, end of the offering, uh, I got a text message, and I was informed that we have an additional 25000 given towards missions. So the need has been met. We shared that news right here in our little neighborhood, and uh, Josh and Kim Bice are on the missions committee, and I think it'd be appropriate for Josh to come and give thanks to God that this need has been met. And so, Josh, come lead us in prayer, please. Let's pray. Father, you're an amazing God. Um, we put so much, so much thought into... Uh, Funding these these spots around the world where where our family is going to uh, to share your word with others, Father, to share the good news. Now we're able to to go to these people and and let them know they're not going to have to think about money next year. Mm-hmm. They're just going to be able to focus on you and focus on um, Father the the true word that exists in this world that uh, you are the answer. You're an amazing God, and we're thankful. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's the word of, word of God from Isaiah chapter 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among all the mountains. It'll be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations, and He will, dis- and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. What is our vision of the last days? This prophecy, the, the, the image it paints, starts with the phrase, in the last days. You know what I see in the, uh, in the mind and in the vision of our culture is that the last days are typically terrifying. When you talk about the last days of the planet Earth, the last days of life on Earth, it's typically terrifying Words, even in religious circles, it's terrifying. You get words like tribulation or apocalypse. Those are thrown out. Even in the church, the dominant vision of the last days comes off like an episode of The Walking Dead. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, There's there's going to be death, there's going to be destruction, uh, and there's going to be a lot of guns. There's always guns. It's like nothing else survives the apocalypse except for cockroaches and guns and cars that run off diesel. But the image from Isaiah is different, isn't it? There's no no 
Mad Max battle wagons. There's no zombies running around. Uh, you don't have an antichrist. But in the last days in Isaiah's picture, you don't have guns, but you do have swords. And what's happening to those swords? They're being changed. They're being turned into instruments of gardening. They're being turned into instruments to make living things grow. You know, I think that our vision of the future, we, we, we just make it so small. And the people of God can do better than that. I mean, look at the prophet Isaiah and look what he takes us to. He doesn't take us to a frightful fiction. Now, Isaiah can preach doom and gloom with the best of them. I mean, he knows how to start a, a sermon with the word woe. I can't do that, because when I do it, it sounds, it sounds like W-H-O-A, whoa, that was great, or something like that. But, but Isaiah can do it, and you hear the woe, and it's scary. And yet, two chapters into the prophecy, Isaiah starts off with a last day's vision that is magnificent. Our fiction about the last days about tribulation and apocalypse, and I call it a fiction because you won't find that scenario in Scripture. I think it's meant to frighten people into a decision. I think it's meant to just stir people up. And the thing is, if you want to do that, there are realities in this world that are far more frightening than some end times apocalypse. And I know people say, oh no, you don't know how worse it's going to be. Well, I don't know how it can get any worse. When you look around in this world and you see things like human slavery and child soldiers. And when that's a reality, you expect me to think, oh, well, no, it can get a whole lot worse than that. I'm sorry, but that's bad enough for me. And I think that's bad enough for God. And who are we to talk about how bad our lives are? Who are we to talk about how bad our situation is when you've got other situations in the world that are really that bad? Even in our own nation, there are communities that are gripped by violence and murder. And in the media and the government, this usually leads to some sort of gun solution. I didn't say gun control solution. I said a gun solution. And the gun solution will include everything from take all the guns away to, well, arm everyone and everyone can defend himself or herself. And then you've got all the options in between those two ends of the spectrum. This detail of guns that I'm using came, comes from a sculpture in Washington, D.C., it's called Guns into Plowshares. That, that, that image you see of all those guns, that's what the side of this sculpture looks like, and they are made from actual guns. This artist worked with the police in Washington, D.C. to take guns that were recovered in an amnesty buyback program for, for guns, and then they used those guns to build this symbol of a plowshare to turn it into a symbol of peace. Where did the artist get 
the inspiration for that idea. There's also a sculpture uh, similar to that outside the UN where you see a figure beating a sword into a plowshare. Where does that idea come from? Sometimes you'll see it attributed to the Word of God in Isaiah 2. But very often you won't. And what I found distressing this week is as I was studying the um, different writings and articles on this prophecy, very little is said by those in the Christian community about this image of swords or weapons or guns being turned into plowshares. And it just stuns me that this image that comes straight from an image of the last days where God is recognized by everyone on his holy mountain, on Zion, and everyone is coming to learn the Lord's ways, it stuns me that that image of turning swords into plowshares has become secular. That that image has now become the property of sort of a, um, a humanistic means of establishing peace on earth. And I want to reclaim it. Because I don't think this image makes sense unless... It sits in the context of the full picture of the last days. In Isaiah, the people are using their swords and their spears to become instruments of providing food and providing good things. The the spear is going to be turned into a pruning hook. A pruning hook. What do you use a pruning hook for, Benjamin? Well, you use a pruning hook in those old days, usually on vines. Vines that make grapes, and grapes make wine. I mean, these people are getting ready for happy times, okay? It's not Welch's grape juice, all right? And the, I'm, I'm just saying that they are getting excited about the possibility of things growing. That celebration, that Eucharist, that Thanksgiving... And this isn't anyone taking their guns or their swords or their spears away. They're giving them up. Why? Because they don't need them anymore. You know, a gun takes the place today of the symbol of a sword. You and I hear about swords in Scripture. And swords are ancient weapons, and and they they sound rather, rather elegant and rather interesting People might keep swords as part of a collection, or maybe they study some ancient art where you fight with swords. But no one's going to go into battle with a sword up against uh, tanks and machine guns. It just wouldn't make much sense. But the gun takes the place of the sword even in becoming a symbol of authority. We have military emblems to this day that use the sword as an emblem of defense or authority. And yet, no one actually fights with the sword. So we understand the symbolism of it. It can be a weapon used for defense or a weapon used for attack. I like to think that we've got a pretty healthy view of the appropriate place for guns and authority here. I'm I'm pretty confident of that. Um, 
I hope your hunting season goes well. I hope you're using the appropriate um, weapons. It's, it's not sporting to shoot down deer with automatic weapons, you know. I mean, you have some sport in it. You know. uh, besides, you won't have any meat left if you really, you know, tear into it with some heavy ordnance. But I, some of you here are officials. You are charged with keeping the peace, and to keep the peace, you carry firearms. I, I, I'm pretty sure we have a healthy view of all this. And in fact, one of the things I've been, I've been thinking about how grateful I am of the ways that God has been working among us. It's been a tough and trying 2016 for America and the world. It's been, it's been wearying. It's been tough for some. Uh, there's been a lot of violence. But right here in this church community, I've seen the best. I've seen great things happening here. Do you remember the day that we had our back-to-school blessing and we invited our law enforcement officials to be up here and we prayed for them? That meant a lot to a lot of people, and I hope you continue in those prayers. Oh, in the weeks to come, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to hesitate to mention that good things are happening because God is at work in this church family. And I love the fact that at times it even cuts against the grain of what's going on in the rest of the world because that's exactly what God wants us to be. He wants us to be salt and light in a dark and decaying world. And with his help, we can do it. Well, wherever somebody stands on the whole spectrum of what to do with guns, whether you arm everyone or whether you take them all away, no one will deny the fact that what you've got with a gun, and in ancient times what you had with a sword, is that you have an instrument of deadly force. Everyone understands that who's responsible. Only a fool would act as if a gun is somehow not dangerous. How one chooses to manage this instrument is everything. You can respect it, you can be responsible, or take it away. And it's that take it away option that concerns people sometimes. That take it away option concerns people because that's when people start to get suspicious and say, wait a second, wait a second, what are they saying about peace? And they think it's one of our founding fathers, and I've heard it attributed to Benjamin Franklin, that um, he said, those who hammer their guns into plowshares will plow for those who do not. Uh, see? I don't know if it's Benjamin Franklin who said that. Some people say Thomas Jefferson. But I can tell you that it is Chris Benjamin who has said and said today, those who don't may still plow for those with bigger guns and better aim. I mean, sometimes you can lose a gunfight. And you'll be lucky if you find yourself plowing for the other guy. I say all this just to simply say that there's got to be a better way. There's got to be some other option than let's just take all the weapons away, let's uh, give everybody weapons. There's got to be something better. And this is where the Word of God helps us. Because the whole point of Isaiah 2 is there is a better way, and the better way is the Lord's way. He says, let's go up. The, you know, the prophet is calling everyone says, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. He's going to teach us something. He's going to teach us a new way. He's going to teach us about his paths, his ways. 
And the thing that he's teaching us is going to, to, to change us and change the way that we live in relationship with one another so that we don't have to dispel, settle disputes with warfare anymore. So that there really is a peace, a shalom of God in the world. And there's no more use for swords. There's no more use for the instruments of warfare. Why? Because everyone is learning the Lord's way. When he says that uh, the mountain of the Lord will become the mountain, that's a way of saying that every other center of government, every other center of control and power will be leveled flat, and the only mountain will be the mountain of the Lord. Is that literal? Is that the way it's going to be? I don't know. The point of it is that there's not going to be anywhere else. When people say, let's go up to the mountain, you're not going to have to worry about, well, which mountain do you mean exactly? Or let's go see the center of power. Well, which power would that be? Everyone's going to understand, oh, there's one big mountain, there's one house of the Lord, and we're all going to go there. He says that in his vision of the last days, everyone is going to be streaming to it. Why is there no longer a need for sword and spears? Why is there no longer a need for guns and missiles? Because in the last days, every nation is going to God. No one, no one will dare set themselves up against his authority. They're streaming. This is bigger than a Black Friday shopping line. They're waiting to get up the mountain. Let's go there. We want to be there. And they know, because they all have the confidence that when we get to the Lord, he's going to settle this dispute. Well, is it going to be fair? Of course it's going to be fair. It can't be anything but fair. I mean, you have a vision here of people going to the Lord, and they're even willing to say, you know what, if I get there and the Lord says I'm wrong, that's going to be the best option. Why? Because there's so much faith and confidence in the Lord that even if He judges against us, we know that the judgment is right. This is an amazing picture of the last days. And it's what we're headed for, folks. If we believe in the promises of God and if we believe in the work that Jesus Christ accomplished, this is what we're heading for. No one's training for war anymore. Why? Because the only rule now is thriving life. That's all good and well, but we're not quite there yet, are we? No, we're not. No, we're not. There's justice on the mountain. There's no anxiety about how we're going to live on the mountain. God settles disputes. But we're not quite on the mountain yet, are we? No. But we're on our way. Know this. The last days are good. It is a picture of everything made new and everything made better. It's a picture of peace. It's a picture of life. It's a picture of all wars and conflicts and violence having finally been settled. The path to the mountain is to walk in the light of the Lord. And if we walk in the light of the Lord, we're going to get closer and closer to the mountain.
And along the way, I think we can still do what he says we'll do on the mountain, which is we can allow the Lord to teach us his ways. So, house of Jacob, followers of Christ, house of West Ark, let's walk in the light of the Lord. We're going to end this sermon with a time for prayer, for encouragement. If you need to respond and to walk in the Lord's ways, uh, we're going to be here to, um, to respect that. We'll have elders down here. We'll have elders in room 100. Let us know what your need is. Let's all stand and sing, and let's go up to the mountain of the Lord.